Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y. Sip on the go with a Starbucks iced shaken espresso. Our signature roast, shaken with ice, then finished with a splash of milk. Customize it to match your style on the Starbucks app. Make today a good day. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep your operation running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo, Maria in Miami and Jules and Troy, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with high-quality supplies for every industry, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, this is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here, back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and growing Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Megaphone, over 40 other podcast platforms. Um, all right, this is episode 108. We're calling this How Bands Deal with Loss. This is from a suggestion by Patrizio Smart uh, over in France. Um, so thank you for this, Patrizio. Boy, that's hard to say. Um, I don't know if I've ever said that name before. Anyways, this is uh, his suggestion, and I thought it was a, a pretty cool one. He's even suggested um, some of these, uh, well, the honorable mentions for sure, and maybe some of these ones that I've picked. Uh, although I've done a little research and, and came up with uh, five different ways to look at this like we always do here on History and Five Songs, hopefully. Um, so let's take a listen to uh, our first selection and we shall discuss. Take a listen. This is Last in Line with Sword from the Stone. All right, last in line. So 
Obviously, with this example, we're dealing with the loss of Ronnie James Dio, died of stomach cancer, I believe it was 2010. Uh, so the interesting thing about uh, dealing with the loss of Ronnie James Dio, well, first of all, you know, he had a going concern going with uh, with the Heaven and Hell band. So the way Black Sabbath dealt with this loss is uh, eventually they got back together uh, with Ozzy Osbourne and they put out uh, the the album 13. So they had the Heaven and Hell band. They had a this big long album. Um, they had other songs. They were playing live shows. You know, Dio was kind of shelved at the same time, unfortunately, uh, because Ronnie was concentrating on Heaven and Hell. But Black Sabbath dealt with it that way. But the interesting thing with this is uh, a couple of things happened. You got the Dio hologram. So he's one of the only guys that, that really this hologram thing is, has been done with. Uh, pretty interesting. And there were actually two offshoot bands of Dio members. Uh, Last in Line is the band that... Uh, has done the most so far. Uh, the song you just heard, Sword from Stone, is from 2, uh, 2019, and they also put out Heavy Crown in 2016. The current members of this band are Vinnie Apice, great Dio drummer, Vivian Campbell, uh, great, great Dio, obviously, you know, classic era Dio guitarist, Andrew Freeman from Lynch Mob, and Phil Suzanne known for his uh, his work with Ozzy. Uh, former members, Jimmy Bain was actually on their first album. So this is the last album Jimmy Bain did before he died. Jimmy was a secret weapon in the Dio band, and he was also in Rainbow, of course, with Ronnie as well for that classic lineup uh, back in the Rising era. But uh, but yeah, so they had Jimmy Bain. They even had Claude Schnell in the band, uh, Dio's uh, kind of golden period keyboardist. And they had Eric Norlander in the band as a touring keyboardist, 2016 to 2018. So Last in Line have put out a couple albums. And I had a hard time finding a song to pick from this because I wanted to pick something that was a little bit Dio-esque. But this band is not really being very Dio-esque. It's, it's essentially Dio members who have moved on. And uh, it's kind of cool. They've named the band Last in Line the same way. Uh, Black Sabbath renamed themselves Heaven and Hell, so they're they're renaming it after arguably you know the 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 classic greatest Dio album. We just did a Contrarians episode where I actually went with Dream Evil as my favorite Dio album. Now I I think that's that's pretty much uh, the way it's gonna be now. I I really really love Dream Evil, so we did a, a regular Contrarians myself and Marco on that. You can take a listen to that um, and a view of that. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was kind of cool they did this. Now the other way, the other way that this is interesting in in terms of dealing with the death of Ronnie, uh, is that there's also a second band of Dio members called Dio Disciples. Now they they have yet to put out their debut album. They're apparently working on a debut album. Uh, I think the last news I saw on that was June June 2020. So it's a, so it's a year later. Uh, but as far as I know, there's been no debut album. And the last lineup that I saw for this band was was uh, Ripper Owens or Oni Logan. So again, you got another Lynch Mob guy, which is kind of odd. Craig Goldie, uh, who is the guitarist on my favorite Dio album, Dream Evil. But you know, I'm not so not so crazy about the later uh, records he's on. Uh, Bjorn England, Scott Warren, who was uh, was Dio's keyboardist and also Heaven and Hell's keyboardist, and Simon Wright, who's uh, who's been a longstanding, you know, on-off again Dio member in terms of a drummer, right? Uh, so that's, so that's kind of cool. So you've got these two bands who are dealing with the death of Ronnie. This is one way uh, how bands deal with loss. All right, let's move on. 
Take a listen to this example. This is Voivod with Polaroids. All right, so that's uh, from the uh, Infini album, June 23rd, 2009. That's the last song in the album. I wanted to play a deep track for you there. Uh, although with Voivod, I granted they're all kind of deep tracks. But the interesting thing about this situation is that uh, Denny Demore, a.k.a. Piggy, uh, died of cancer. I think it was 2005. Yes, August 25th, 2005, colon cancer. But the interesting thing about the Voivod situation, uh, so they had this lineup where Jason Newstead, famous, uh, you know, famous bass player uh, from Metallica, was was part of the band. Uh, he was renamed Jasonic. Uh, but the interesting thing is that Piggy left behind a lot of they were they were in the middle of doing the demos for uh, for a new Voivod album when when Piggy was, you know, sadly in, incapacitated and then died. But they were able to put out two albums, two full studio albums, great records where they were able to rescue and manipulate and work with uh, Denny's guitar tracks. So they put out Kator's first July 25th, 2006, and then they did Infinity. They had enough to do even a second whole album, Infinity, uh, June 23rd, 09. And, um, and after that, the way they dealt with uh, Piggy's passing is they got the awesome, awesome Chewy, Daniel Mongrain, in the band, and they've moved on to even greater creative heights. I mean, this is a band that is just a band that that if you don't know them that well, you could spend a long time studying these guys and enjoying the great, complicated, progressive metal they've been doing through all these different eras. They now are a band with a bunch of different eras, right? There's the Eric Forrest Eric's era as well. Um, and, uh, and now with the, with the Chewy era, they're doing some of their greatest work ever. But yeah, that was an interesting, interesting way that a band was able to deal with a loss, uh, with Piggy leaving behind all these great guitar tracks and being able to, to literally put out two more records after his death. Uh, so that's a quite a, quite a dramatic one. Um, all right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Okay, back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 108, How Bands Deal with Loss, as suggested by Patrizio Smart. Thank you again. Let's take a listen to our next selection. This is Metallica with The Shortest Straw. All right. So speaking of Jason Newstead, um, we are now moving on to sadly the passing of Cliff Burton in a uh, in a tour bus accident. I think they were in Sweden at the time. Cliff Burton was kind of considered the secret weapon in uh, in Metallica. 
a little bit of a, a melody guy, a songwriter, a, a song architect. Uh, so he was considered a pretty important part of this band. But what Metallica does is um, they basically, through their grief, they decide to move on and, uh, and they hire Jason Newstead from Flotsam and Jetsam. And the interesting reason I wanted to include this is a couple of things. This album is notorious, of course, for its radical production values where the bass has been sucked right out of it. You 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 almost can't even hear that there was even bass in in certain parts. Uh and and it's and it's odd. It it goes up and down. You know, there's the there's the whole um discussion about bass as a tone versus bass as an articulated bass you know a, a steve harris clacky bass is is you're hearing the bass notes being played but even i remember um uh you know later on metallica albums there there's a little bit of uh i remember interviewing robert for one of them and we got in this discussion that was probably a little uncomfortable for him, but, you know, he brought it up and wanted to talk about it was how you couldn't hear his articulation in the bass, but you could hear bass tone. And I think it was kind of bothering him a little that you couldn't hear his bass playing. But anyways, so so this is a this is an odd thing where, it, you know, it's more a case of. Metallica was being creative and chasing a really, really interesting sound, but you wonder if subconsciously somehow something was making them take the bass out of it because they had the bass player taken out of the band and this newcomer comes in. And then the other thing that's kind of interesting about this situation is Jason was not kind of treated all that well. So there was almost like a subconscious thing it's like we have to hire a bass player out of necessity um, but we're not happy about it sort of thing i don't know if that's really going through their minds but what is going through their minds is is they're is they're pretty bummed out about losing cliff um and uh, and so there's this odd dynamic that goes on in this band that carries on right through the end jason eventually quits but he has a really great run with them obviously um, but there is this dynamic on this record, it starts here where Jason's kind of like the, uh, you know, I don't know, is he bullied? Is he hazed? You know, some combination of that. Is he kind of like emotionally not brought into the band uh, properly? And then also on a, on a material basis, um, he's famously not heard on this album very well at all. I, I wanted to play a little bit of Shortest Straw because I think even within the 30 second clip we have there, you get both things. You get... You get in the verse uh, where where he really it almost sounds like there's not even a bass player, and then you do get some hint of bass in whatever that next section was. I can't remember if it was exactly chorus or just a, a different section. Obviously, these songs on Injustice for All are full of sections, right? Um, anyways, I I I think in that illustration you can hear there uh, a little bit of both things going on there. Um, you know, also on this idea of carrying on. You know, some other examples of carrying on and, you know, various levels of respect, huge levels of respect. Uh, when Deep Purple carried on with Don Airy, they had a lot of respect for Don and they had a lot of respect for John Lord as well. Alice in Chains is kind of an interesting one where they... You know, even even when Lane is in bad shape, they wait and wait and then they put out, you know, they put out an album that's not great in the in the self-titled one. And then they keep waiting and keep waiting uh, and then things don't improve. But eventually, long, long time later, uh, you know, they, they get in William Duval. Um, so that's an interesting case. Uh, the Who with uh, Face Dances after Who Are You and Keith Moon died. That's an interesting one in that 
you know, Pete Townsend, Pete Townsend in interviews can be kind of provocative and shocking and just trying to be interesting sometimes. And I think some of the things he said after Keith Moon died, I mean, he, he would call him the greatest drummer of all time. He would call him not a great drummer. He would say his timekeeping wasn't good. He was losing his skills, blah, blah, blah. There'd be a little bit of animosity and you could tell, you can tell there was a little bit in Keith, uh, in, in Pete having some frustration about Keith not taking care of himself and dying like you left us, you deserted us sort of thing. So what do they do? They get in Kenny Jones and Kenny Jones uh, over the course of those two albums that come out, you know, pretty quickly in, in, in who, who talk land uh, face dances. And then it's hard. Yeah. And, and at the same time, Pete's doing solo albums, but you get in a guy like Kenny who kind of plays like a really polite suburban version of Keith on those records. I love his drumming on those records. Um, but it, but it's interesting how there's a little bit of a Keith trademark in there. So they move on that way. Kiss moves on after Eric Carr. ACDC, interesting case, moving on after Bon Scott. The way they move on is that, yes, they, they don't miss a beat. You know, the last album was 1979. The next album is 1980. They don't miss a beat. They, they get in a new singer. But... Uh, in in respect to Bond, they you know they call it Back in Black, and they have this all black uh, album cover. Um, you know, some versions have have a little bit of gray on it, and it has the embossing, of course. Uh, but but that is the big tribute to Bond uh, across that record. So that's the way they come back. All right, let's move on to our fourth example. Take a listen to this. This is Rush with Ghost Rider. All right, so Rush is an interesting example. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of loss here. So um, what happens was, uh, obviously, Neil Peart loses his daughter in a car accident on the 401, not far from where I am here, 19 years old, Selena. She was either on the way back to university or on the way from university coming home. Um, and uh, and then Jackie is uh, is absolutely, you know, uh, gutted and eventually dies from cancer. And Neil, Neil says she actually died from a broken heart. It's all very sad. Neil, um, you know, one way he deals with his loss is the famous uh, thing that is celebrated by this lyric, Ghost Rider, and, and the big fat book, Ghost Rider, is he goes on, you know, a big uh, solo motorcycle tour and just uh, just is alone and does this epic sort of motorcycle thing. Uh, you know, the band decides that if there's no band ever again, that's fine. Um, if Neil comes back, we'll maybe do something. And he does come back, and why I wanted to include this example is I think Vapor Trails is one of the most creative and most uh, forceful and sincere and necessary uh, albums in terms of something really cool that they got out of their system that they invented on the spot because this album is is made in an innovative way with a lot of a lot of jamming and taking a lot of time and a lot of patience with Neil uh, to get his drum skills back. Um, but also, you know, the other guys had been away as well. Um, so, anyways, they come up with this really. Uh, 
cool creative album after you know an album that is widely considered a bit of a uh, creative fail and test for echo uh so that is pretty interesting um we get this we get this album with a lot of poignant lyrics about loss as well these have some of the most devastatingly emotional and just plain great lyrics about death uh on this record uh on the vapor trails album and then of course later on uh alex and getty have to deal with uh the loss of neil and at that point you know they they've just completely decided there's no question to it there's no rush without neil without that guy in the band right um the new guy right uh neil uh you know after john rutsey right they they joked and called him the new guy uh but no i mean it, it was basically that was the end of the tour there's never going to be anything else so so rush had to deal with loss in in a in a few ways here um, so that's uh, kind of an interesting example there. Uh, let's move on. Uh, take a listen to this. This is our last example in History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This is Queen with Made in Heaven. It's really meant to be deep in my heart. All right, I wanted to play, you know, one of the few sections that had anything with any guitar or heaviness or or things you recognize from Queen. So this example is always a really odd one for me. This this album is just so baffling. I I really do not like it at all. I think it's the worst Queen album. But what happened here is Freddie knew he was dying. He left behind a lot of vocals. It was a lot of struggle to get the vocals out of him. He's he's losing weight. He's not, he doesn't have energy. But they're set up at you know idyllically on uh, on the edge of the lake in Montreux, right? Um, and and they get all these vocals out of Freddie, and uh, and so they have an album that they can assemble after his death. Freddie dies. I think it's 1991. Something like that. Innuendo kind of gets finished. Even Innuendo, he was in in bad shape. But then this album comes out much later, and it's a it's an odd album of, I you know I've described it and gotten heck for it, calling it like an album of almost like Elton John songs. It sounds very suburban and conservative, and and almost like they're treating that they're almost like saying, Freddie, you know, you've been you've been so extravagant and extraordinary in your life. We're going to give you the most regular, most suburban, the most most normal person send off with these very normal person songs with these saccharine, almost Hallmark card lyrics. Um, very, very weird, uh, weird kind of sugar-coated, gauzy, almost, uh, you know, almost sweeping everything under the rug version of a death uh, you know, a, a bank of death lyrics. I mean, compare this to the lyrics on Vapor Trails, and it's just stunning how one of them is so full of great insights and information, and uh, and just just heartfelt, gut wrenching uh, lyric writing. And then the other one just reads like a like a stack of Hallmark cards, opening them up. Sorry, sorry that you're gone. You know, like like death funeral cards kind of thing it's it's really weird and the music is kind of the same thing it's it's literally 
just uh you know i i you know i i hate using this term but i do use it and it kind of makes sense housewifey right it's it's like it's like queen music for people who don't really think about music or care about it at all who who answer hey what music do you like oh i listen to the radio that that kind of answer right so um yeah it's it's just a very strange album of saccharine ballads essentially um so yeah I was, I was never a big fan of this record but i wanted to find something to 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 show that has at least some brian may on it brian is nowhere on this album anyways uh there you go other ones brought up uh patricio actually brought up some of these uh, other ways of dealing with death eat a peach from the almonds hot streets from chicago uh, adrenalize from Def leopard losing steve clark skeleton tree from nick cave uh you know a really interesting one is the doors moving on and putting out other voices in full circle without jim morrison obviously very ill-advised uh you know i've i've done a whole episode on this how important the lead singer is to a band well you know you don't get much more of a more of a dominant personality in a band as Jim Morrison in the doors with those amazing lyrics and being Jim and and you know so so that was an odd one and they literally just called both both of those albums the doors and they and they sunk like lead balloons of course um another another great commenter who sends me emails about uh, these episodes after the fact Kip Massey uh he mentioned acid bath with Audrey Petrie dying um bassist um you know the band just breaks up they just say okay we lost Audrey and you know what in that in that car accident they were they were hit on the highway I think in Louisiana um and uh and both his parents died in that in that crash as well and I think he had a brother who lived uh so that was a terrible crash but they just they just broke up uh, you know, after that, Dax Riggs went out and put the Agents of Oblivion album. Uh, I'm I'm not sure who else was in the band. If other Acid Bath members are in it, I I can't remember. But I love that album, Agents of Oblivion. That's a great one for um, the last episode, uh, one and done uh, episode 107. I I should have included that one because I love that album to death. I I like that better than both the Acid Bath albums. Actually, check it out, Agents of Oblivion. It's almost like a um, a, a cool, creepy, swampy Soundgarden album, but with Dax's huge personality on it. Uh, really, really interesting album. Um, Kip also mentions Down Three, where Phil, he, this is, I'm, I'm reading him word for word here, uh, where Phil sings about Dime on Morn and about Hurricane Katrina on a couple uh, different songs. A good story of how a band came back together after, after a couple of catastrophes like that, after an acrimonious break during the tour for the second album, drug related naturally he says um let's see what else we got here lots of bands don't really seem to reflect on the loss in their music they get a new guy and put their heads down and slug on through um sometimes they have that extra fire pushing them like acdc sometimes not sometimes you don't even notice a difference so i thought that was kind of a cool comment um he mentions uh uh that's not very interesting to talk about even if armored saint for whoever would go on to make a terrific post-loss album what else we got another kind of interesting case he says that involves a near-death mastodon dude spent all that time in a coma after getting sucker punched and hitting his head on a concrete floor and after he has to relearn relearn how to do a lot of things the band come out with this totally over the top but not ott he's referencing the <laughs> the episode 106 uh which was all about the definition of ott concept album with this story that came 
uh, to him while he wasn't in his right mind. So that's pretty interesting. So what do you think of that? That's a bunch of different ways bands deal with loss. Uh, let us know at the Facebook page any other comments on this or or indeed on the one and done. I, I, I didn't do what I normally do, uh, but... You know, I I like when I see those other examples that I could have talked about on the Facebook page because you guys are all really smart. Uh, and then I, I I tend to obviously bring them up in the following episode and say, ah, here's a few more that could have gone in the last episode. So that's always a lot of fun to do. Um, other than that, uh, if you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to uh, Kofi it rhymes with no fee uh, Kofi.com slash Martin Popoff hit that red support button buy me a coffee or a pint on that front this week I would like to thank Brian Bailich Joe Beck to Bel Air Expediting Black Sugar Transmission Andy again Andy's the one who's done our Contrarians theme music which is really cool um, Bruce Campbell Andrew Clark Lee Clifford Chris Cook Guitar Kevin Donaldson Dave Fisher Jeremy French Callie Clockars from Sweden Kevin Latham Keith Martin, very generous, Keith. Take a break. Jeez. Uh, Melissa Nee, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, and Patricio Smart. Again, thank you, Patricio, for the suggestion for this episode. It's dedicated to you. Uh, there you go. Um, and you can go to martinpopoff.com uh, if you're interested in, in any of my books. Please buy a book. It's dead right now. It's July. This is the worst month uh, for book sales. Uh, yeah, July, July is the worst month, followed by August, followed by January for some reason. But yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty dead right now. I've got a lot of that Uri Heap. I kind of overbought on the Uri Heap. So the Uri Heap, um, you know, visual biography. And I got a lot of a lot of the Thin Lizzy too. And they're they're heavy. They take up a lot of room. If you at all been interested in any of those, uh, drop me a line. I might even give you a little bit of a deal. What do you think? Um, anyways, uh, but uh or package it with another book or something like that. We'll see. Uh, anyways, that's it. Martinpopoff.com for that. Hope you liked this episode. Go play some of these records. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. If you're looking to move out of your parents' place, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive, which is good because your little brother has gotten really territorial. You're blood-related. You'd think it would be fine to share food in the fridge. I mean, who writes their name on every individually wrapped slice of cheese, Tyler? Still, you've got to admire the commitment. So bundle your renter's and car insurance with Progressive and use the savings to help you move out and have all the cheese you want. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.